The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Rookie minicamp is now behind us. It's going to get a little quiet around Chiefs Kingdom over the next couple of months, but we still got plenty to talk about here at Arrowhead Pride. We're going to start today's show off with Chiefs Coast to Coast. They did some work projecting the rookie roles and how they can contribute to this upcoming season. After that, we're going to follow that up with the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. They had some marinated, marinated draft takeaways after we saw the guys working during rookie minicamp. That's going to be followed up by the Great British. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout, and then when we get back, we'll hear from the Great British Chiefs Show. They had some final thoughts on the draft class now that we're a couple weeks removed, and some thoughts on how those guys can contribute again to the upcoming season. That's all coming up on today's Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week. I think the main thing that stands out for me is value. I mean, he got great value throughout the draft, getting guys where they were projected to be higher than where they went. And I think he really landed on physicality. I think he really uh, made an emphasis on that. He wants his defense to be more physical and more athletic. So, I mean, they're younger, faster, and more physical. I mean, when... um, well, Leo Chanel, he was at Arrowhead, what, about a week ago? And, and they asked him, like, what was his game or whatever, what he likes to do. And he was like, man, I just love being violent and physical and just hitting, you know? like. And I, when I saw that, I instantly thought, yeah, that guy's going to be a fan favorite. And then you got George Korloftis, where they can't even slow him down at rookie, rookie minicamp. They're saying he's going 100 miles per hour. But that's a good sign because they need guys that have a motor that are not going to stop because we saw plenty of times last year, the chiefs would get pressure, but they couldn't finish the deal. So you got a young guy in there that's relentless and never gives up on the play. I think that's a good sign for the chiefs moving forward. And they also got a lot of depth in that secondary as well. I mean, obviously with me, Duffy, but even the kid, Joshua Williams in the fourth round, I think he could be a sleeper. I like his size, his uh, measurables, He's a very, very smart and smart kid as well. So he may be a little raw at first, but I think that could be a guy that's going to blossom for the Chiefs. And they've been known to get corners in the later rounds or even undrafted guys like Charvarius Ward, for example, 
and they ended up being a lot better than people expect. I love how you started off talking about value. I think that that could be one of the overwhelming themes of what Brett Veach was able to do in this year's draft. 12 picks going in. We knew they weren't going to use all 12 of them. Uh, but what were they going to be able to get uh, staying in those positions possibly or, or moving up using some of those those resources that they had? Uh, and, and really the big, the big move was the move up for McDuffie. Uh, you secure that there. That's a guy that I expect to come in and be a contributor from day one. Uh, another pick that that just jumps off the page, and and it's almost just deja vu from from last year, man. It's Kennard in the fifth round. This is the guy that uh, was labeled a guard. They think is a tackle. Physicality, something that you talked about. Uh, what he could offer the Chiefs at right tackle from day one. Uh, is exactly that, somebody who has a physical presence and has played that position in the SEC on a week-in, week-out basis. It just reminds me so much of uh, of the Trey Smith pick from last year, a guy that kind of slid a little bit further than some were expecting. All of, his, all of his quotes have been about the chip on the shoulder, and, and that stands out to me. Uh, it, this is somebody that uh, is going to use that to kind of to motor them through uh, their NFL season, their NFL journey their career and I just really like that canard pick if we had to pick one I know we don't have to pick one because you know you're on Chiefs Twitter these last couple these last couple weeks it, it seems like it was 10 for 10 but realistically that's just not how it works Gunnels you know that oh yeah 100 percent I mean everybody's not gonna pan out but I mean, if you can get at least three or four impact guys for the next four or five years I think that's a home run Especially if they're impacting day one. I mean, like last year's draft, you had like obviously the Trey Smith, uh, the Creed Humphrey, right? So you had guys that came in instantly and contributed from day one. And I think that could be a case again, Nick Bolton, also the defense side of the ball. So you have three guys right there. And I think this is similar. And you may even have maybe four or five, you know, I never want to get into potential starters out of this group. And I think you're going to have a few, but. I definitely am very pleased because here's the thing about Brett Veach. Before last year's draft, there's been a lot of question marks about his draft picks, and deservedly so. But last year he nailed it, and so far I think this year on paper, obviously we have to see them play on the field. I know you're not a grade guy. I know you hate draft grades. I saw your tweet. But they graded very well this year so far. And what does that mean, Mark? Is the draft grade gonna <laughs> gonna get a jersey number and run out the tunnel at Arrowhead Stadium on Week One? Is the draft grade gonna gonna score a touchdown for Kansas City? Like that's that's just the disconnect that I have with Chiefs Kingdom. Sometimes it's like, yo, it looks great on paper. KC looks overwhelming on paper. Heck, they looked overwhelming on paper against the Bengals going into that matchup. But football is not played on paper, and a lot of that is out of the hands of Brett Veach. Injuries happen. Uh, setbacks happen. Uh, sometimes you you uh, you know you project a guy to go a certain way, or you project a guy to develop a certain way, especially in the Kansas City system, and things don't happen for X, Y, and Z. Uh, out of the ten selections, I like all ten, uh, but that that that's early and that's on paper sort of thing. And I'll read all ten right here really quickly: McDuffie and Karloftis in the first round, Sky Moore and Brian Cook in the second round. Leo Chanel, third, Joshua Williams, fourth rounder, Darian Kennard. I put my star by him in the fifth rounder. And in the seventh round, they grab uh, Watson, Pacheco, and uh, Nazi Johnson. 
who all participated in rookie minicamp this weekend. We'll touch on a little bit that a little bit later on, on Chiefs Coast to Coast. But my question to my co-host, Mr. Mark Gunnels, the mayor of Kansas City, is out of those 10 selections that we just named, how many of them do you see being starters? I won't say week one starters, uh, but, but let's say starters and contributors at some point in their Kansas City Chiefs career. Oh, okay, since you put it like that, then I'm going to say six. I think there's six guys. I won't I, force you to name all of them, but but name a few of them and why. And, and you said throughout their career in Kansas City, not year one, right? Yeah, not week one right away, but but at some point in their KC career. Okay, I, I, I got the six for you. Right, it's no big deal. So obviously, I think the obvious two, what obvious three would be McDuffie, Karloftis, and Sky Moore. So that's the three right there. But then you got Darian Kennard, who's going to compete. And maybe he started week one at right tackle. I mean, he's going to compete with uh, Niang and Andrew Wiley at that spot. That's, that position is wide open. So that's four. And then you got Brian Cook at safety. Because we know Spags loves the three safety look. So we're going to see a lot of that with him, obviously. And he's going to be in that kind of Daniel Sorensen role. He's going to be in there with Justin Reed and Juan Thornhill. But he's not going to start week one. But he'll definitely be in there a lot of snaps. And he's going to be a starter eventually at some point. And then the sixth guy I like a lot, who I think people are kind of sleeping on, and I mentioned him earlier, is Leo Chanel. Because right now we know Willie Gay and Nick Bolton are the top two linebackers on this team. But then they brought in Jermaine Carter Jr., a veteran who started all 17 games last year for the Panthers. So I could see him starting week one. But I think at some point in the season, even probably, yeah, probably this year, I think Leo Chanel will show that he's the guy that needs to be there because he's more versatile. And he can also play on the edge as well. So he's not just a linebacker. You can kind of move him around a little bit. He's very athletic. He's hard-hitting. He's aggressive. So those are the six guys I believe at some point in their Chiefs career will be starters. And I think you'll probably agree. And I'll throw a wild card in there as well. Joshua Williams, who I mentioned earlier, that's my bonus. He's not going to start this year, but I do believe in his potential long term. He's such a homer. This man, I said, man, name six. He gave us, he gave us all ten in some shape or format. Mark I Gunnels. gave, I, I gave you seven, but you can you really argue any of those seven? And, and here's what, here's where we'll, we'll differ. I, I agree with pretty much all, all, all your guys. Here's why I differ. My sixth guy would actually be Pacheco out of Rutgers, uh, and I wow. Saw I saw two of the three days from from Chiefs minicamp, and of course we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, but I see, I actually see a hole for him to come in and be that RB two, RB three guy as soon as this year. I'm not even exaggerating with that one. When we look at the role, like for instance, uh, a, a guy that was filled last year, I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing the track of mine as soon as I said it. Who was the RB three last year when Clyde went down? It was it wasn't Daryl Williams. It wasn't Daryl Williams? It was a smaller dude, and he got compared to to. Um, oh, you talking McKinnon? 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 Not McKinnon. It wasn't McKinnon. It was the third dude. I I'll take my time and look it up real quick. Uh, Daryl no, Gore. Gore. Daryl Gore. Daryl Gore. He's sir. Appreciate you, my boy. I yeah. yes, I think he could fill that. I I really think he could fill that role. This is a guy that's shifty. This is a guy who could could make plays out of the backfield. He's got a build to him. Looks like an NFL running back entering rookie camp. Uh, if I had to flip-flop two guys, I'd take Leo Chanel off the list and put uh, Pacheco in there just because 
Uh, he impressed me early in camp. I feel like Leo Chanel maybe could start off as a special teams guy. Somebody in this group is going to end up being a special teams guy. We know how important that is to what the Chiefs do and their championship culture. Uh, but Derek Gore, I see so much of him in the Rutgers running back that they added this year. But see, Aaron, but you were, but you asked me at some point in their Chiefs career, not this year. So that's a whole different argument. You're talking about this year right now. I'm talking about the next two or three or four years. And maybe that, and maybe that's a testament to what Veach did this year. Uh, maybe that's a testament to just how deep this draft class is for KC. Is that there's going to be a, a moment for each of these guys where they have an opportunity to contribute, whether it's this year or going forward. Um, this team had so many holes defensively. I'm, I'm just so proud of Brett Veach for listening to the Chiefs and Chiefs, Chiefs Coast to Coast podcast and going out there and getting every DB possible, including your guy, Josh Williams, because I do truly believe that there will be a window for, for most of these guys. Yeah, so let's talk about just this year in particular. I think you would agree the obvious three guys that are going to start is McDuffie, Karloftis, and Sky Moore. And the only fourth one I think is potential is Darius Kennard. We agree on that for I, this year? I, I think those four coming into camp could, could, couldn't have a spot. Right? We're on the same page about that. I think there will be expectations on all four of them as well, specifically McDuffie. He's going to have to come in and, <laughs> and be a guy right away, Mark. I mean, I mean, I know James Bradbury, and we'll touch on that a little bit later and Obviously, we're a lot more comforted with how the DB room looks now than it did going into the draft. But McDuffie, the expectations are to come in and start week one. Yeah, 100 percent. And I mean, when you get a guy that high first round pick, that's always the expectation for a guy of that that magnitude, that stature. And you want to get the most of them. You you don't want to waste any years. Right. So unless they're a quarterback, you may sit a year or two. But that's a different situation. And obviously, the Chiefs DB room was very, very light heading into the draft. They hit it very strong, obviously. But yes, he's gonna have to be a guy that's gonna have to be a contributor week one. And I think he's I think he's built for it. I know Andrew was talking about his physicality, something that really impressed him. And also just his overall smarts is what really impressed him. You know, he has a high IQ, something that's gonna help him when he's going against bigger wide receivers. Cause he's not the biggest corner in the world, but he has the IQ to where he can have certain advantages and kind of use that to his advantage. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how it's going to work. I think there's definitely going to be some growing pains because corner is the toughest position to play in the NFL. When you consider the rules, you can't really touch guys. You can't get too physical. It's an offensive-driven league. So it's meant for them to, you know, kind of run the score up and get open. So it's going to be growing pains, obviously. But I think by midseason, and just this defense in general, because that's kind of the Spags way. And especially now, you have all these new faces. It's gonna I think it's gonna take some time for them to jail. But I think by mid-season, we'll see them at their peak. You talked about growing pains. I mean, Brett Veach had some growing pains as a general manager in previous drafts, and we touched on that a little bit earlier in the show. Uh, patience was the one word that we talked and used a lot in that spaces right after the first round. Uh, I think he should showed a lot of patience, especially in the later rounds, especially in that middle round. Kennard is a guy that probably could have gone higher. They get him in the fifth. Uh, the patience that Beach showed with the 12 picks, with the knees that they had on both sides of the ball. Uh, I, I'm not a draft grade guy, but it's an A or a B for me. You can't say you're not a draft grade guy and then give a, give a grade. Well, I'm only a draft. I'm only a draft grade guy because of you and this and this platform. You know. <laughs> oh, okay. You're blaming me for it. Okay. 
<laughs> Blame me for you giving an A or a B. All right, I see how this is going. I see. I see if if I come up here and stump up and down and say it's an A class and they got to come in and do this and that, when when it doesn't turn out that way, or if it doesn't turn out that way, then I got egg all over my face, man. So you know, I I, I got a question for you. I think this is a good. Um, we we need to know the barometer on this. How long do you have to give a draft class to say? okay, this is their final grade. Is it one year, two years, three years? Like, at what point can we officially really grade how good a draft class was? I'd say three years. To me, it's the length of the contract. It, it is the it, – it's like a it's like a four years of college. You know what I mean? You get your freshman, sophomore, junior, and, and senior year, and then we'll decide if we want to pick up that fifth-year option. I, I just can't see draft grades, especially in an NFL, meaning anything until at least year two or three. I saw somebody in the audience throw up year two. It, it just takes time. Certain positions, you're not even going to really touch the field until year two. You talked about quarterback a little bit earlier, but, for instance, a guy like Sky Moore, I mean, you're not going to see the best from him until that second year because this is a dense Andy Reid playbook. There's a lot of pass catchers in that room. It's going to take a little bit for you to see what the potential is. For me, it's it's uh, at the very least three or, three or four. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Sky Moore just to pivot a little bit because I was talking to a couple buddies the other day, and I was really wondering where is he going to rank as far as targets on this team. And I think he's going to be fourth in targets behind Kelsey, Hardman, and Juju. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. We are going way over time. When Steve is going on vacation on the day of the schedule release, we're going to give him as much work as possible. I think that's fair. I have have to add music to the schedule release reaction roundtable. I have to edit it. I have to put it up. You know, it's too much work. For a guy that looks this good, it's too much work for me. So we're going to make sure Steve has to work a little overtime on on a long Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. But no, no. Uh, in all seriousness, let's get into our marinated, marinated draft takeaways. And, John, you did a nice job with our consensus rankings of the NFL draft. And you had the take that Brett Veach navigated this draft beautifully. And I would love you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, you know, I am I never like to evaluate the draft, you know, 24 hours after it happens or a week after it happens. But this is what people want. People want to want to talk about that. And so that's what we're going to write about because that we're interested in what people want to know, what they want to talk about. So this is something I've been doing for a couple of years to do this consensus draft rankings thing where we take, you know, a bunch of the draft rankings and average them together. So we get an idea of what everybody thinks about the draft, just not one guy. And at each point in the draft, Feech was taking the highest ranked player in that moment. So if you're one of these guys who thinks best player available is a myth, well, maybe not in the case of Brett Veach in the 2022 draft. Um, so, and I, I think it really showed that he has learned from each draft. I think we can all look at that 2018 draft and go, what was Brett Veach thinking? And go, well, yeah, but it's his first one. And I don't know anybody who does their job well now that did it well the first day they were on that job. And I think that's one of the things we have to keep in mind about Brett Veach is that it's one thing to be an assistant and watch another guy do it and then have that responsibility yourself and make a mistake that you're still being hammered about years later, as he did in 2018. 
So I think one of the things I really like about Veach is that he has learned from those mistakes. Yeah. And with each successive draft, he gets a little more patient, um, a little more in self-control, a little better prepared, I think, up to the point that this year that he actually traded back for the yeah. first time. And I loved that that the the his assistants were saying that there was a you know a golf clap <laughs> when the when the trade happened. Uh, you know, wow, Brett finally traded back. But I think it's a sign that he's that he's gotten that he's learned. And if you can get a GM who learns from his mistakes and learns every year and gets better every year, I don't know how you can have anybody that's better than that. I mean, because they're just going to get better. The trade back might be the biggest key of the draft because yeah. mm-hmm. on the board was Pickens and uh, Sky Moore, and the Chiefs had a read of it and. I think they had to be saying to themselves, one of these two guys will still be here four picks later. And they made a significant bet and more was there. We'll never know in a world where Pickens is still there, which way they go, because they're never going to get on and be like, yeah, we got our, our number two guy. They're always going to say we got our guy, (laughs) but to get more and then to be able to play in the fifth round and get Kennard who, you know, we went into enough, but let's say he does become a starter. And then all of a sudden, now, for three years, you have your center, right guard, and right tackle on their rookie contracts, and they're young, and which always means you're more durable. Uh, and to you know pair that with the Patrick Mahomes number, I think, just think it's really shrewd. Uh, I thought it was a great draft, and and I think a lot of fans were happy with it, and they got a lot of really great grades, especially from PFF. I mean, if you really look at the value and where they put, pick certain players, PFF uh, is like, Brett, where is our check? Because you guys just followed our board. <laughs> uh, Chiefs fans as a whole, according to our NFL reacts poll graded the draft, uh, 87% said it was a 12% gave it a, a B 1% came in with D and when it, the 1% comes in with D I, I tend to think there are some Broncos and Raiders fans that have snuck into our, uh, SB nation no, reacts signups. <laughs> uh, the favorite pick of the chiefs draft was George Karloftis, which I thought was a surprise. He, he mm-hmm. came in at 26%, uh, Sky Moore and Leo Chanel came in at 23%. Only 18% on Trent McDuffie, 10% other. But Karloftis, at least right now, uh, seems to be the fan favorite. Uh, and I, I'd imagine if he comes on, onto the scene and is able to flirt with five to 10 sacks, that'll only uh, grow. And you'll start seeing those Karloftis jerseys uh, popping up at Arrowhead Stadium. 62% of Chiefs fans, John, think that Darian Kennard will start week one, uh, which mm. lends credit to my making him the favorite in the Arrowhead Pride Sportsbook. Just kidding. That doesn't exist. Don't email Joel about that. (laughs) 84% of Chiefs fans thinks uh, Sky Moore will have more than 500 yards this year. I don't know. Uh, I think he'll have a nice year. I think there's a lot of balls to go around uh, with this new offense. Uh, You know, you forget in a sense that Travis Kelsey is now, Pass catcher one. He's going to have more yards than all these receivers. How many yards is that? How many yards are there, you know, to work with? Is it possible for Sky Moore? Sure. Uh, we'll see how how quick he he transitions. Um, and then nationally, a lot of fans said that the Jets, thirty nine percent, had the best draft class. Chiefs came in uh, around fifth at ten percent of league wide fans, considering they had uh, the best draft. But that to me is different than in past years, where it seemed like the Chiefs weren't getting a lot of attention when it came to the NFL draft. Yeah, and I think they really right. were back on a lot of people's radars uh, this time around, John. Yeah, I agree, and I th- also think that Carl Aftus being uh, the 
the player that Chiefs fans liked the most is uh, to some extent a reflection of the fact that Chiefs fans really wanted a defensive end in the draft. That was far and away the the biggest choice among Chiefs fans for a first-round player was defensive end. So I think that gives Karloftis an advantage going in. But I agree. Uh, I think that nationally the Chiefs are getting a little more credit um, I think there was a perception early on that that Veach was was not very smart and he, you know, made some mistakes early. But I think over time, uh, people are getting the idea that this guy is actually pretty smart. And, yeah. uh, and and he's now done what looks what look like two back to back drafts that came out very well. Uh, we'll have to see. You can't really evaluate him until some years have gone by. But I- right now he looks good. I hate to be got you guy because I feel like this whole show I've been got you guy. But also, <laughs> we need to remember this fact. When the Chiefs have gotten poor grades in the past, we have thrown them out, right? So, like, we just have to see. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I, right. I yeah. hope that all these grades are correct, right? Again. Yeah, yeah. But, like, in previous years, we'd been like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. C-plus on the draft. Yeah. And, you know, those years, to an extent, we have been right, especially recent years of Brett Feach. So, uh, let's see now and, and mm-hmm. make sure that these right. A plus grades are correct. We, you know, we can't just accept the grades that are, are good. Uh, all right, let's get into the final segment of our show. And this is the AP Twitter poll. John, you covered this for Arrowhead Pride this week. Brett Veach went on with Mike Florio, uh, a pro football talk, and we're not going to play it for you. If you really want to go find it, it is a good interview, but he discussed McCole Hardman and, the notion was, John, right, that McCole Hardman is not going to be what appears to be a priority for an extension this offseason as he enters his final year. And that, John, correct me if I'm wrong here, seems to be the mutual feeling on both sides of this between Chiefs uh, and the Hardman camp. Well, it depends on it kind of depends on how you want to interpret exactly what Veach said. I mean, he kind of said it both ways. You know that right. it, that that the, that there's reasons why we might want to be patient, and there's reasons why they might want to be patient, and that's why I think there's not going to be a deal this season. And I think a lot of fans are like, "Well, yeah, duh, nobody was going to want to extend McCole <laughs> Hardman," you know. But maybe they would have in different right. circumstances. You know, if um, if if things had played out differently, like if they hadn't gotten. Uh, MVS on the team or Juju or, or whatever, maybe, you know, maybe things would have played out. And if, if Tyreek Hill was still on the team, you know, maybe they would have wanted to, to get uh, Hardman locked down at a pretty cheap number uh, for the years to come after uh, Hill moved on, not from being traded, but from going after a free agent contract someplace else. So, um, you know, yeah. it was kind of an interesting question from Florio because I'm not sure it would have occurred to me to ask it, but the answer was certainly interesting. And the way that, you know, that he talked about it. Um, and, and again, it's, it's open to interpretation about exactly how he said it, but uh, it, was, it was an interesting conversation to monitor. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We've got to touch on the draft briefly because I know a lot of the podcasts at the moment have been talking about the draft and the players that we've picked up and everything like that. And we did say at the end of the last show two weeks ago that uh, we would give our thoughts on the draft players and the strategy and things like that that happened. And, and we will do that. We will do that. But very briefly, because there's other stuff to get onto, because we have got a packed show this, this week. We really have. Mm-hmm. But um, so, yeah. So obviously to kick off season two, uh, Tom and I, we delved into the mind of Brett Veach or tried to with his draft strategy. And as expected, we completely got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, we completely got it wrong. I um, almost thought I nailed it. But yeah, go on. You are. I almost thought I nailed it. Yeah. Almost. Because yeah. I, I expected the trade up for a defensive player to happen. And that's why I wanted to happen. Obviously, it's yeah. what we talked about the last show, but I just it's wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting it to be a corner. Like nah. I genuinely wasn't. And the nah. fact that I love the Brett Veach doubled up on, on defense in the first round. I I I I am all, all for it. There's my homes, my homes in the wide receivers, whoever they are, they can do all of that. I love what Veach done defensively, just Taken, uh, take as many players as possible and just said, off we go, boys. Let's throw bodies at this and let's see where we can find some su- potential superstars. And yeah, that I, I'm not going to sit here and talk about specific players because you know me, I, I, I don't take an interest in, in college prospects until they're actually playing in the NFL. Yeah. But am I excited about the positions that Brett Veach went for in the draft? Absolutely. They, they are our needs in def- on the defensive side of the ball were at corner and at edge. He addressed them both from round one. There's a good chance that both of them two players will start week one that will be contributors for the Chiefs. And then they've got some other pieces at corner and safety in the later rounds where they could end up being contributors too. So for me, I'm not I'm not one for draft grades either, but Brett Veach absolutely nailed this right now. Whether it actually turns out in a few years' time, whether he did nail it, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, positionally, I think you're right. He nailed it. Um, and he completely pulled the rug from, from under everyone's feet, really, in a way, because I think the strategy was how let's just see how the board goes and how this draft is going to shape up. Because he then saw a lot of teams battling for wide receivers, and I think he just thought, right, I'm just going to sit tight here. Yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think I think defense was definitely on his mind because we all know prior to that he had very long meetings with his defensive uh, coordinators and defensive crew and everything like that. And it was clearly something in his mind that he was going to go and get some a, mm-hmm. a, a quite a, quite a lot of quality defensive players. But like you said, I was I was really surprised about corner. I was very yeah. surprised um, because it's not something that he's really kind of leaned towards, has he? Yeah, yeah. 
He killed that narrative, didn't he? Killed that narrative of not taking completely. Uh, he even brought it up. He brought up the narrative himself in the the, the post draft presses about. Uh, it said that um, we don't invest in corners, and obviously they did. One thing I did like about the, the draft, and there's several things I like about, it, but one thing that stuck out to me was the lack of panic from Brett Veach in terms of receiver. Do you remember like in 2018, which was his first draft, we had the Tyreek Hill news come out like literally two or three days before and his his future is really uncertain. Mm. And I do think that that year they panicked and it altered their draft strategy. Strategy, And they ended up taking McCall Hardman because they thought they need a replacement for Tyreek Hill there and then because no one knew what was going to happen with Tyreek Hill's future with the team, let alone future in the NFL. Where this time, there wasn't any panic. They're like, no. as soon as the run on receivers started in those in in those early rounds, Brett Veach just let it play out. He didn't try and jump up and get a play. He didn't pay over the odds to get a receiver. He didn't reach to get a receiver that he thought he'd still be able to get in round two. He sat there, played the board, and then showed even more patience at pick 50. He's got pick 50. And he still trades back, acquires that extra fifth, and still picks up Sky Moore at 54. I just loved that how like mature Brett Veach is. This feels like the last year was like the draft that said, actually, he's got talent. This year was the draft that shows, actually, he's got experience. And he's learned from previous drafts where it hasn't gone all right. It hasn't gone particularly well for him. He's probably panicked since eight, at times. But this year, it was just a perfect blend of his skill and experience and patience. And hopefully the Chiefs are, are better for it. Yeah, I, I think trading up, slightly was a good move. Um, some people say that we've traded away a lot for that, but I, I, I don't really see that now. I mean, I, you know, there was... Does it matter if he's a good player? Well, that's the thing. I mean, clearly he didn't realise that Trent uh, McDuffie was going to actually be there. Mm-hmm. So I think he thought, there's an opportunity here. And he saw that opportunity arrived, didn't he? And he thought, I've got to go up and get him now yeah. because he won't be around for the next eight no. picks. Um, and it was clear. I think the Bills went up for one, didn't they? Was it uh, Elam, I think it was? yeah. yeah. And so he clearly saw that there was something happening. There's some rumblings happening that, mm-hmm. you know, there was a team going to go up and get Trent McDuffie. And he he just found the perfect opportunity. And like you said, yeah. the patience of the guy was phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. and, and he could have got caught up in all of the wide receiver fighting and, you know, going up to try and draft a, a wide receiver and, and giving away a lot more than he should have to do that. But... I'm I'm proud of him, man. I'm I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to uh, to to what these rookies can do in this as well. Um, is there any particular player that you think I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a in a Chiefs jersey? Something that you think he can be a day one starter, maybe, or do you think somebody in there that could have a long career with the Chiefs? Um, I'm quite looking forward to seeing Carl Aftis play. Um, yeah. to be honest, I am because. I, it sounds really stupid, but like he's a genuine re- European, isn't he? Like yeah. he is like genuinely European. And um, but I think he lived in Athens until he was fourteen, wasn't he? Until yeah. he moved across to the states. So it's not like he's like lived in America his whole life, and he just happens to have a Greek grandparent. Like I think he genuinely <laughs> is Greek. So um, I'm looking forward. To, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And I lived in Greece for a year, so I've, it's like I've, I've got a soft spot for Greece. So I am, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. We can't really call him the Greek freak because Giannis might have something to say about that. Um, that but, trademark yet? Yeah, <laughs> imagine, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> imagine, yeah. So 
Yanis plays are. It's the Greek freak. No, you can't call me that because uh, Carl Aftis for the Chiefs got trademarked by those guys that did a great British Chiefs show. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, we do need to come up with a better um, trademark. Uh, I don't know. I might just start. I might just start calling him Giros or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Slovaki with the Saki. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. What about you? Uh I'm I, originally I was looking at looking forward to uh Brian Cook. Um, okay. Because he's a very aggressive guy. I like quite and I like those aggressive guys. And I know obviously uh Leo Chan- Leo Chanel, isn't it? Leo yeah. Chanel. Um he's he's already said that he's gonna bring he's gonna bring pain, basically, isn't he? That's what he's gonna mm. do. Um but all the pictures I've seen of Kinnard make me realize the thing that guy's a monster. He he looks like a man mountain. And if he's gonna yeah. be the, the right tackle for the Chiefs, nobody's gonna get to Patrick Mahomes if he if that guy's there. Yeah. That, it's a it's a like obviously is wishful thinking at the moment for a, a fifth round draft pick to have him potentially be our right tackle starting day one. That's wishful thinking. I think I, there's a chance, but it's more so in hope as opposed to expectation right now. But if, the, if that does turn out to be the case and the Chiefs have completely overhauled their offensive line in two seasons where they've got guys under contract for three to four years, all of them, then... Brett Veach deserves a knighthood. He really does because, like last year, obviously we we went into the draft with Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney in place. They were in place already, and then he nailed the Creed Humphrey pick. He nailed the Trey Smith pick. That went better than anyone thought it possibly could do. And if he's pulled another Trey Smith out the bag in Canards, then Patrick Mahomes needs to buy Brett Veach a car or something like that because <laughs> he's going to have these guys in front of him for the next three to four, hopefully even longer. Yeah. And knowing that the, now that the next few years we can go into this draft, these drafts, not having to worry about the offensive line. Like offensive tackle is a premium position in the NFL and we potentially might not have to worry about it for years because of how well we've drafted or how well we've picked up free agents. It's just, it's phenomenal. And it enables you then to spend premium draft picks on luxury players. Like I am an advocate for the Chiefs picking a pass catcher. I don't care what position a pass catcher in the top 100 every single draft. That's what I believe the Chiefs should do because there's a greater chance of those players being, uh, being hit on. So why not give Patrick Mahomes as many weapons as possible. We all know that Andy Reid's system takes a little while for receivers to to get used to. Sky Moore even mentioned it, how complex it was, the playbook, when he first looked at it. So why not just keep bringing these guys in? Let's let's create a fountain of pass catchers. And if you've got your offensive line sorted, then you don't need to worry about any other positions as offense because you've got quarterback, you've got the offensive line. So if you're going to spend picks on it, spend it a receiver. And then the flip side, you can also spend it on premium defensive positions. Yeah, it just yeah. gives the Chiefs such a good basis to be good for years to come because they've got that offensive line sorted. And kudos to Brett Beach for doing it. It's getting the foundation set, isn't it? I think mm-hmm, that's what yeah. it feels like in this draft. Yeah. And um, that's what this draft was, is a foundation setting draft. Yeah. Because if 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 these if Carl Eftis, uh, McDuffie, Kennard, and say, I don't know. Sky Moore turn out all to be starters for the next four or five years. That puts the Chiefs in such a good position going forward in terms of depth of roster 
and cap space. And that is what the Chiefs need to do. They need to use this draft to continuously retool and hitting on three or four draft picks every single season is the way to do it. Another part of this draft strategy that really impressed me the most is Veach's bravery to actually go for those players with the, the red mark against the names. I like the Trey Smith pick, you know, because uh, there was a lot of talk about Trey Smith and his, it was like blood clot issue or something like that. Mm-hmm. Wasn't there? You know, there was, there was something there that, that teams were like, mm, we probably wouldn't actually take a chance on him. Brett Veach has got that bravery to go out there and go, no, we're going to take a chance on him because we believe yeah. in this kid and what he can do. Yeah. They've done that with Canard as well, because, um, Yes, there was a bit of a red mark about his political opinions and things like that because he wore a T-shirt or something to one of the open days, which, you know, that's that's probably one of the main reasons why he dropped in the draft. And Veach has basically gone, no, we like him. We like what he does. We like, we like his abilities. He fits what we need. We're mm-hmm. going to take him. And we're getting that. We, we, we seem to be getting that quite often now in the last couple of drafts. We seem to be getting players now where they have something, something's raised by other teams mm. and the Chiefs are going, that's not an issue to us. We believe in these players. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, there's like a red mark next to them. It's like a red question mark. Do yeah, we yeah. For these players? But, but Veach will uh, pick them up. Yeah, but, and he absolutely should. Like, how many day free picks in the NFL draft actually are good players, like percentage-wise, how many turn out to be starters in the NFL four or five years later? I wouldn't like to guess. Exactly, <laughs> but I'm guessing I'm guessing it's not that high. I'm guessing it's maybe around the, I don't know, 25% region, I should imagine, if that. So if that's the case, then why not take flyers on talent? Mm. Why not, like, just, just go for the talent? And that's why I kind of like what they've done with Ross as well. Um, like picking him up they've just gone for the talent like if he doesn't work out yes he's got this injury if it doesn't work out that's that's unlucky for him because he obviously had the world at his feet a few years ago and obviously things haven't worked out for him if it turns out not to be be the right place for him in Kansas City but the upside of it working is ridiculous like if you've got we're talking about ceilings of teams right and you talk about ceilings of players you look at the ceiling of these receivers that the Chiefs have got now. Like we've seen, I think Tyreek Hill, although I think he's still there, yeah, he's peaked as an NFL receiver. I would say the same, yes. Yeah, he has already peaked. And I'm not saying that he's not going, he's not staying at that peak, but I don't expect him to go to Miami and get any better. Yeah. And granted, his peak is better than any of these Chiefs receivers peak could ever be. Agreed. Yeah. But then you look at the other pass catches we had last year and their ceilings are what? Really, really, really low. Very, really very low. low. We're talking like the Shire, Hobbiton, like those type <laughs> of houses, okay? But then you look at the receivers that the Chiefs have in the building now. Imagine if you get the rookie version of Juju Smith-Schuster again. Imagine if McColl reaches his ceiling Imagine if you get the 2019 version or 2018 version of, of, of Justin Ross. Imagine if Sky Moore hits his potential. Then all of a sudden, like, okay, there's a lot of what ifs there. But if all of these guys yeah. hit their potential, we can get close to it and start peaking at the similar sort of time. Then why can't this offense be 
just as good as he's ever been. Why can't he be better? It's certainly going to be more balanced. We already know what Travis Kelsey is. Travis Kelsey is a freaking unicorn. He's going to he is he he's going to stay at his peak forever. I'm I'm looking forward to him being back to 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 back 1000 yard seasons. He's Mr. Reliable. He's going to be doing it at four. He don't care. so yeah, you can add some of these like guys hitting the ceiling. Then this this offense is just it's it's going up. Anyways, back to the original point. The original point was you take flyers on talent in later rounds and in dra- and in undrafted free um free agency because if they do hit their ceiling, great. If they don't, you've lost nothing. It's risk free. That's why you do it. That's why you do free, it. Isn't it? It's, exactly. It's you know yeah. It's but like I said, I, I I love I love I love someone that say looks at life as glass half full. Yeah, and not glass half empty. And Brett Veach is very much a glass half full type of guy. Oh, without a doubt, without yeah. a doubt, and and that's what I'm saying. He he just seems to look for the positives in a lot of these players, and he seems to be collecting a lot of players at the moment that have either a big chip on the shoulder or have something to prove, and 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 that's that's all the fuel you need. No matter what draft, you know what round you were picked up in the draft, if you've got that drive, that that, that determination to do well and be a great team player, then. I think you're all right in, in Brett Veach's book. Mm-hmm. If you if you're some fly boy, high high flying hotshot who thinks he's he's already made it because he's actually got into an NFL team, he doesn't want to know you. So that for me is Brett Veach's whole kind of philosophy over it all. And I think looking forward to the 2023 draft, I'm going to be looking at players with good heart, good backstories, and maybe a little red question mark next to the name because Brett Veach is picking them up. <laughs> uh, I, look, I look forward to the Brad Simcox 2023 KC draft guide. I look forward to <laughs> the it. draft guide. Yeah. 